Welcome to the Variety Hour on AM 990, where local leaders talk Memphis. Listen to you, move your mind. I bet you come way down south. Now don't tell me, let me guess. You from the town that I love best. Talk Memphis, I wish you would. Talk Memphis, you sound so good. Talk Memphis, high on the bluff. I swear I can't get enough. Welcome to Talk Money on AM 990. And now here's your host, Jim Shoemaker. And a good Friday morning to you. Of course, I'm Jim Shoemaker. You're listening to Talk Money here on KWAM 990. My guests today are two very good experts on their topics. We're going to talk about six steps to a solid, well-performing retirement. One thing that a lot of people ask us questions about, what do I do about this IRA? What do I do about my 401K? Should I match? Those are questions we're going to be talking about with, of course, his name, David Rochester. And then as we go through this, we're going to find out that there's a real need for people who reach that magical age of 45 to 55. They're preparing for retirement, but they have forgotten to do anything about what happens if they lose a paycheck. If they can't work, disability, that's the subject. Jamie Cochran's going to talk about that. We're going to kind of intertwine those two subjects through this process because it really is about being financial stewards of what you've been entrusted with and how do you prepare. Most of us are very optimistic. We always think it's going to happen to the guy next door. It's never going to happen to us. So that's why we're going to help you walk through some of those very specific specific things that deal with all those issues that we have to think about. And it's all, you know, it's one of those things that I'm excited about having these guys with us. But before we get into that, I really kind of want to look, help you get through kind of what's going on in the last couple of weeks and some of the thought process about investor sentiment, you know, it's kind of what it's mixed. And, you know, you get the bulls thinking, well, they're cautious and they've got some ideas about some reasonable Valuations, it's relatively stable growth conditions, and maybe they're thinking about better earnings and all those things are good. And the bears, on the other hand, think of completely the opposite. So we kind of push pull all those way it goes concerns about China and its growth. What about Britain exiting the European Union? Our condolences goes out to the family, uh, the lady that was. Uh, killed in Britain. Of course, they've suspended uh, all the advertisement and the push for that. Probably will suspend the vote. Uh, you know, that's terrible. That's a tragic. And yet um, uncertainty with the U.S. elections. That continues to be a topic the Bears want to keep us thinking about. I think reality, the fundamentals, uh, somewhere between the two. I don't think we can all side up with the Bulls, nor can we side up with the Bears. We, we agree that there are reasons to worry. We agree that there are some headwinds in our face for the summer. But the fundamental backdrop is uh, stronger than what we think the Bears. So if we had to make a decision which way we lean, we'd probably be a little bit more bullish. Maybe that's our optimism. Maybe that's our faith in the great companies that we purchased through the, you know, the market and what we think about the U.S. economy and how we function overall. Labor market? Sure. Labor market seems to be, we're at full unemployment almost. I mean, it's like, you know, everybody's got a job who wants a job or can get a job who wants a job. And that's a good thing because we see wages begin to, you know, do some rising and coming up to where we think it should be. That helps with productivity. It helps, gives us a better consumer sentiment. 
Uh, and it should be, you know, that pushes, you know, wages up, benefits, profits, those corporate profits. By the way, corporate buyouts, this corporate buybacks and other shareholder friendly type of activities over the last couple of months. The first quarter, the S&P 500 group that we look at, $165 billion worth of uh, stock in the first quarter was repurchased. That's a good sign, guys. That's the strongest pace we've seen since 2007, the third quarter of 2007. Uh, that has to fall into the optimistic side. So, again, our topic, David Rochester is going to talk with us about four, four ways or five ways to have a good retirement and then disability with Jamie Cochran. So you don't want to miss it. We've got some questions that you've sent us because you went to talk money at Shoemaker Financial. Typed in your question. We're going to look at those. We're going to help you get through it. First one is, my employer didn't have a 401k. What should I do? Stay with us. We'll be right back after this. Jim Shoemaker, David Rochester, and Jamie Cochran are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securian Financial Services Incorporated, member FINRA SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. Talk Money will return right after this. Take a second and think about the three most important goals or priorities in your life right now. At Shoemaker Financial, their team of qualified and experienced financial professionals is committed to helping you achieve these goals or priorities. From insurance needs to college funding, retirement, or estate planning, Shoemaker Financial is here to help you accomplish your long-term financial objectives. To learn more, visit ShoemakerFinancial.com or contact them at 901-757-5757. At Shoemaker Financial, it's not just the plan, it's the results. You're listening to Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker. Podcasts of the Talk Money program are available for iOS mobile devices. Go to the iTunes store and search for Shoemaker Financial. And now, once again, here's your host for Talk Money, Jim Shoemaker. Well, my guests today are Jamie Cochran and David Rochester, and we're talking about disability, the need of insurance to cover that, that unexpected illness or accident that could, you know, be long enough for you to be considered to be disabled and how that affects not only your your immediate needs, but the future needs of retirement. David's going to talk about disability. I mean, David's going to talk about retirement and Jamie's going to kind of help us with this whole discussion of disability and how it intertwines and just being good stewards of what we've been entrusted with and how to manage that. So many people take so much for granted. We are by nature, I think, optimistic and we think it's going to happen to the guy next door. It's not going to happen to us. We had a question that came in from one of our uh, listeners that, that literally I think was, was kind of summed it up what we want to go talk about. He said, help me understand disability and the cost for me. He was 55 years old. He said a friend of ours at church is 52 and can no longer work. He didn't just tell us why. He said the finances are not good for this individual and his family. The church is kind of trying to help, but we'll never be able to handle the over entire need. Now, that was kind of the end of it. He didn't tell us any more about that. But I think, Jimmy, we've got that 55-year-old guy's 52. It's on his mind. But you can tell us about someone that was in their 30s when it affected his family. Tell us your story. Uh, Yeah, thanks, Jim. I lived it firsthand. So my wife and I um, were 32 years old, and... She was seven months pregnant. It was our first child and uh, went to the doctor. Turns out had breast cancer. So very, very scary. That's a scary, unexpected, seven-month pregnant lady. Mm -hmm. Fortunately, a good husband. Well, that's still to be (laughs) Well, (laughs) most importantly, you know, now this was, you know, four years ago. You know, everybody's healthy now. 
But my wife uh, is a professional. She goes to work every day. She you know makes a living. She's bringing home income to the family. So when we sat down with a planner at our firm and did our financial plan, one of the most important uh, gaps that we saw was that she did not have any long-term disability coverage. Meaning, you know, if she doesn't go to work, she's not making an income due to that illness. And that would have been a financial strain. That would definitely have been a financial right. strain. You know, our our lifestyle would have taken a huge hit because one of the big deals that we were saving up for was a new home. You know, we've been saving up for a new home uh, so we could, you know, our child could have her own, we could have a nursery <laughs> yeah. uh, and we didn't have to sleep in the same room uh, with yeah. our child. So we were saving up for the new home. We just closed our new house and we got the news that she had cancer. So that was about October 4th, get the diagnosis, goes and has some surgery October 14th. We moved at Halloween. Two weeks later, give birth to my daughter. Two weeks after that, she starts chemotherapy, goes through eight rounds of chemotherapy over the course of 16 weeks, then two months of radiation treatment. Very brutal on the body. She couldn't work. But the most important thing on that was that her income kept on coming in. So we were able to maintain our plans and maintain our lifestyle. We were able to continue to move into the house that we had saved up for you know, she's she's an architect, so she's picky about the furniture that we got. So she was able to get the furniture she wanted. We were able to start a college fund for my daughter when she was born. I didn't have to stop funding my 401k. We were able to maintain, uh, you know, what we had been planning on. And, you know, once she got better, uh, we took a nice little trip to kind of unwind, and then we got back to work. And, you know, I can go to bed each night knowing if that was to come back to either her or me, you know, Financially, we're going to be okay. Because she has the coverage prior. Exactly, because she had the coverage before she got so sick. So there would be no issues with the disability. They've paid for this first claim. If there is, and we hope not, right. there's another claim down the road, she still would be part of that uh, disability e- coverage. Exactly. You know, so many people think, in fact, I was reading an article recently out of the USA Today. It says that 88% of Americans would rather be healthy than wealthy. I think that's pretty good. And and the thought was so 37% says USA expect to be in good health in 10 years from now. Ten year, only a third, a little over a third expect to be in good health. So it's kind of like maybe my thought about optimism is not as real as I think. But, you know, we just don't think it's going to happen to us. Now, you guided with a guy in the office that was working with you. I think that was very smart because we have a tendency if we're doing it ourselves, you know, uh, it's not always you thinking, am I, am I making the right decisions? You got outside counsel. That's good. Biblical you know, advice. That's good. And so would you thought, though, you looked at the price that this would ever be needed by Val? No, I, did, I just she's figured, 30 years old. man. Yeah, I just figured, hey, you know, what? this is probably you know what I'm supposed to do. This it makes sense. It sense. Um, you know, and we got a plan that was a good fit for her. Uh, that's, I think, is so critical for people to think about. So th- let's talk about disability. David, I know you were helping in in that whole discussion process with Jamie. But for, for the both of you, help me with this. When do you get started? Let's go with you, Jamie. When do you get started thinking about disability? You know, as soon as you start making a paycheck. Uh, you know, whether you're in your early 20s, uh, you know, that's probably the best time that you can get it because, the younger you are, when you buy it, the less expensive it's ever going to be. And, and you're it, covered for your lifetime. And you're covered. and For, un- for a period of time. Exactly. And unfortunately, as we age, our health tends to 
decline a little bit. You know, I don't. Yeah, yeah. David's looking at his uh, uh, waistline. It's probably <laughs> probably grown, but yeah, you're the healthiest you're ever going to be today for the most part. You know, so it, you know, locking something in while you're young, while you're healthy. Uh, probably one of the best decisions you can make. David, I know we talk about our greatest asset is the ability to earn an income. Yes. That's the fact that that is a machine that we do take care of. And it's the, when it's younger, newer, it seems to be able to handle some things. That's that optimism we think about. And yet it does occur to young people. But uh, why? How do you protect it? How do you actually protect that income, our greatest asset? Great question, Jim. First of all, you just mentioned the, the word machine. I think that's critical. If you had a machine that you knew... Uh, and sitting in your house, and you knew that it would crank out over your lifetime probably millions of dollars, what we just called our income. Right. You'd probably insure that, wouldn't you? No question. I mean, you put a big Nobody. wrapper, probably stick it in a vault. Yep. You'd do everything you yep. could and to protect it. Every day I check the oil, you, you, get yeah. the dust off of it, you know, feed it the right stuff. That's right. It's cranking out money. Right. Well, that's what we do when we start taking on the job. Mm-hmm. When we're working, we're drawing that income. We need to protect that. So, uh, you know, there's insurance companies out there that have properly designed policies specific to an occupation that we need to look at, and we need to make sure that we are properly covered. That's specific to an occupation. Jamie, help me with understanding the the fundamentals, I guess, the definition of disability, because I know the individual that's asking this question, he didn't ask for the, you know, he said, help me understand right. disability coverage. Now, that is a broad, broad, broad question. But I think what he's looking at is he got a friend that he all of a sudden sees that's happening to. And help us go through that process of understanding. The employer sometimes might offer some coverage. And then you mentioned earlier having an individual policy. Help us go through that. Yeah, like I said, we got an we got a policy that was a good fit for my wife. She's office worker at a small office, so she did not have any coverage that the employer provided. So we went out and we bought some coverage on our own, an in individual policy that as long as she pays that premium, she's covered. But the most important part of that contract is that it's a what we call a own occupation of def, uh, excuse me an own occupation definition of disability versus in any occupation of disability. Explain that, because I, I think that could get a lot of people into okay. kind of a questioning, what does it mean, own occupation? So most people are trained to do a specific job. For instance, an accountant who all of a sudden can't do accounting. Well, if they can't do accounting, but they could do something else, like be a cashier, guess what? They probably just took a pay cut. So ah. they want to make sure that that accountant has an own occupation definition of disability that says if you can't do the job that they are specifically trained for in doing then they're going to be able to get paid. Let's make sure we clarify something, too, because that's a huge point. Accountant, uh, uh, a mechanic, anybody that's got specific training today that is unique to their job, that's that own occupation need. Exactly. And yet so many people say, well, I just want long-term disability, any occupation. It's cheaper to buy any occupation. It is cheaper to buy any occupation. But at the end of the day, with any occupation, you can't do anything. Right. It's a, you're, you're laid up in a hospital. I know a person told life. me one time, said, if I could hand out pencils on Bill Street, then I could probably be, you know, you know that would be an occupation. I think it's a little extravagant, but the reality is it, it is a difference when you say, I was trained to do this, and I'm going to be covered for that training. I spent college. I spent extra training. I've been specifically trained. I want to make sure that that's the job I'm covering. I think because usually that's the income that you're making, the larger the income. David, when we look at 401K plans, so many times people put off just contributing to their 401K, and they, they finally get into this catch-up in those high-earning years of anywhere from 
50 to 55, but exactly. there's some, some statistics that kind of shock us about 50 to 55. Well, when you think about 50 to 55, 90% or the, the, there's a greater chance of disability during that time frame. So we've gotten to the point to where we're at our highest earning capacity but the greatest chance we could suffer a disability due to an illness. Illness. 90% of the chances of this is an illness. I think we always think it's, you know, I'm going to be an injury. I'm never going to get yeah. sick. I'm yeah. healthy now. I know when I was diagnosed with cancer, I mean, the, you know, I'm finishing up an exam and doing stuff, and the doctor brings in the paperwork, said, we're going to, you know, fill out the paperwork for your disability. You know, and I mean, it, uh, that shocked me. I mean, I wasn't thinking disabled, and uh, you know, that I was be not able to work. I'm sure Val wasn't thinking disability at any time up to that seven months of pregnancy until she was diagnosed. People think it's going to happen because they have an accident, a fall off of a four-wheeler, a fall off a horse, or right. whatever. And guess when they want to go get the insurance? The day after it happens. happens. And, you know, I'll give you my example of disability. I haven't had to suffer disability, but in a prior career, uh, I had a back injury. And so, fortunately, I already had uh, a disability policy, like Jamie. Someone at, at our firm had recommended that I get that, and I was uh, for, fortunate that I did. I didn't have to, to file a claim. However, uh, when I, as my income went up later and I tried to apply for additional coverage, I couldn't get it because I had seen someone about a back injury. Mm-hmm. It took me seven years before I got to the point to where an insurance carrier would consider me for coverage, and I bought every dime's worth I could get. You know, that happened to me. I was diagnosed with dis- with tuberculosis as a 25-year-old, and I had to go through a lot of treatment. It wasn't the fact the treatment basically didn't cure me of tuberculosis. You actually don't do that, but it suppressed it. But the medication I was on, I mean, there, there's all kind of side effects. You know, when you see the medication, I was watching something the other day, and I didn't count them, but it felt like about 7,000 you know, commercials during this hour-long program with all about medication. And then they would say, buddy, you better know all the side effects. Well, the side effects with this drug that I was taking were severe enough that mm-hmm. they said it'll be five years before they would allow me to be disabled, take disability coverage. But that's a great point. Don't assume that because you've had an injury or an illness in your past, you can't ever get coverage. You still need to investigate it if you don't have it. Well, I want to make sure that we're we're talking about this this idea, Jamie. I, I think so many times people forget how much disability do I need, or they don't understand. Back to the guy's question, I don't understand how much disability should I cover. I mean, if I have employer coverage, if I have an employee, you know, whether he's paying for something, I have my own coverage. I have Social Security. Can you help us get through those three things? And you know, how do I look at it, and how do I make a decision? Yeah, sure thing. First off, you know, talk to somebody who knows what they're talking about when about all of those issues. Let's address that. I know a lot of people that are do-it-yourselfers, so they're going to go to some insurance company, and, and we've got great insurance companies, and we represent, I don't know how many we represent in the office, but we get to look at a litany of all the different coverages. And you said it earlier, with Val, you kind of you kind of said, okay, what's best fit for her you know, you don't go to the car lot and say, well, I got everything's black here, so I guess I'll just buy a black car. You do find something that fits best for you, and that's what that advisor's doing is designing the best fit for what somebody's looking for. Exactly. A welder is going to need a different type of policy than uh, an accountant. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, first off is understanding the main part is, like we talked about, the definition of the disability insurance that you have, and then making sure you have enough so you can maintain your lifestyle. So if your paychecks aren't coming in, you can still pay your bills. You can still pay your mortgage. You can pay your debts. You can keep on funding any type of savings accounts that you have. It's it's so you, you can, can go keep to on Disney li- World if you said you, you can were go, gonna- yeah you can go, you can keep on doing your vacations that mm-hmm. you've been planning on. It's it's about maintaining first off your dignity and maintaining the plans and the dreams that you've had. 
uh, because your income is still coming in. I know that's so important. When this guy's talking about his friend, it's 52 years old. He's talking about the reality that the church is going to try to help, but they they can't meet the need. Now, obviously, there's always some way you might get some help. Philanthropic people might do something, but you hate to be dependent. You use the word dignity, uh, good word. So when you talk about, you mentioned if you couldn't get your paycheck. I know I tell a lot of people when I'm working with someone, I say, you know, just take your paycheck and for the next three to six months, put it in the drawer. Don't cash it. Guess how long can you do that? You know, can you go one, two, three months without cashing your paycheck? Most of us couldn't. And that's where this disability comes in. So explain to me how easy or how hard, difficult is it to get Social Security? Social Security disability insurance. Just just drive by the Social Security office on Cleveland Avenue at six o'clock in the morning and see the people lined up. Lined up. It, yeah. You know, it's very very hard uh, to get that. I'm not even sure how many claims. I'm not sure how many claims they do either. But I know this. It, I always tell people that you want to consider it your pace. But I always say that what I look at in most cases with Social Security, not in every case, you have to be absolutely completely disabled. I mean. We used to use the term, and it's not that bad anymore. If you're lying in a hospital bed and you can't get out of that, then you're going to easily get Social Security disability. It is, it is not ONARC or you know, it's not ENIAC. It's just if, can you meet that definition? And it's a pretty severe definition. I like it as a base, but I never count on it for people to get. Exactly, exactly. So now give me something about the employer coverage. Yeah. So sometimes people may be offered some. Uh, group long-term disability as a benefit for working at, at an employer. And all the time when you get, most of the time uh, an employer benefit is going to be 50 to 60% of your income will be covered if you get disabled. However, that gets taxed. So, you know, simple math, you're doing, you know, let's say you're making $100,000, you get disabled. Oh, hey, cool. I still got 50 to $60,000. No, sir. You, you're going to get taxed on that money. On so you're going to be making even less than that. And is the employer most of the time paying for that, or do you get it as a supplemental coverage? I know our employer, we, we have it set up so that there's some paid, then we get a little supplement we pay, but it's still taxed. Exactly, exactly. So um, the the main, the bulk of it, oftentimes the employer will pay for that benefit. Right, right. Sometimes employers may offer supplemental policies right. where you can pay extra right. to cover up that gap. Okay. Now you look at the, the third part, and that is the individually, personally owned coverage. Exactly. So just like, you know, that's what I do. I have the group coverage through our employer. However, I have a supplemental policy that I own. And that's to cover the amount that's between that taxable 50% of your income and the other amount. So are you looking at 20, 30, 40% more, or, or what are you, how does that number come out? The number comes out from the insurance companies looking at the, you know. Total coverage? Yeah, the, to the total coverage. They, they want to look at. You know, what does your group cover, and then what are, have you been making the last several years? Mm, okay. Um, so sometimes some of us who might be on bonus commissions, uh, you know, they may take that into consideration, whereas your group does not. When we come back, we're going to dive into some of the reasons why you want to get it. Some of the some of the frequency of death coverages that we need to look at. If a person in you know has hypertension. 73% of that usually results in death. You need to know those kind of things. And how long should the disability last? 70% say it's going to last over five years. So there's some issues we're going to dive in. We're going to spend quite a bit of time with um, David Rochester and looking at 401K. The question asked, my importers does not have a 401K. What should I do? Great question. We've got some answers. Stay with us. We'll be right back after this. 
This information should not be relied upon by the listener as research or investment advice regarding any funds or stocks in particular, nor should it be construed as a recommendation to purchase or sell a security. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Investments will fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. Talk Money will return right after this. Have you thought about pursuing a career in financial services but have no experience in the industry and need training? If you are goal-oriented, highly motivated, and enjoy working with people, you have the skill set Shoemaker Financial is looking for. Shoemaker Financial is continuing to grow their team of financial advisors in the Mid-South, and they're ready with the training and tools you need to get started. With over 35 years of providing professional advice, quality products, and excellent service in the Mid-South, you too can now be a part of their growing firm. If you're interested in learning more about this opportunity, contact Keisha Parrish at 901-757-5757 or email at kparish at shoemakerfinancial.com. Financial advisors do not provide specific tax or legal advice, and this information should not be considered as such. You should always consult your tax or legal advisor regarding your own specific tax or legal situation. And now, once again, here's your host for Talk Money, Jim Shoemaker. Well, as I told you earlier, if you have questions for us, just go to Talk Money at ShoemakerFinancial.com. Talk Money at ShoemakerFinancial.com. Give us your questions, and we're trying to answer some of those questions as we go through any time on any subject, financial, you know, life. We'll talk about anything you want to talk about. But just go to Talk Money at Shoemaker Financial. Now, guys, I'm talking with Jamie Cochran and David Rochester. Both of these guys are, are very good professionals in their fields of counseling people through what we're talking about today, disability insurance and steps to have a solid retirement plan. I, I think, I think, guys, I really want us to kind of, because as I started the program, I talked about optimism, and we always think it's going to happen to the guy next door. It's not going to happen to us. Jamie, you let out with the story of breast cancer with Val. Of course, my history, you know, being diagnosed with cancer. It's not, you know, it does happen at home. It can happen. And, David, we think about optimism when we think about, well, I'm going to start saving when... I get to a point of being 55 years older or I got more discretionary income. We know people wait to that time. We, we see it all the time. They walk in at 50. They're just now getting their kids maybe through college or close to that. And they take a deep breath and say, well, I can double up. But a lot of times they're so far behind. And that invariable thing that Jamie's been talking about, disability happens to them. Talk about that for me. Well, Jim, I I absolutely agree with that, that uh, that is, for most people, the best opportunity for them to maximize what they can put into their 401k or or another plan uh, for the tax deductions. But really, greatest earning capacity allows them to save the most if they haven't increased their expenses too much over that time frame. But what we do have to keep in mind is, is what about the contingency? What if that disability or that injury happened during that time frame? Uh, and we've waited that long in order to start saving. That could be detrimental. It, detrimental is a good word. How about devastating? Devastating is... Uh, I mean, people don't think about that. Again, it's going to happen to the guy next right. door. And yet, Jamie, you've got some statistics that tell us that what used to happen doesn't happen mm-hmm. anymore. And give us some insights to that, because I think everybody needs to hear this. Yeah, this is explained as the airbag phenomenon. You know, I wouldn't think about that. That's a great way to put it, though, the airbag phenomenon. Yeah, because, well, you know, I mean, heck, I'm only 36 years old, and when I was, uh, you know, three, four years old, I used to ride on the hump all the time. <laughs> you know, my parents would be thrown does. under the jail if I got caught, you know, exactly. riding my three-and-a-half-year-old under the I, hump. I right saw now. a fender bender the other day in one of the cars. I, it, it was down Germantown Road, and I have to admit, when you say airbags— not only were the airbags in the front inflated, 
but then all the wear bags on the side, everything inflated. I mean, these people were in a, you know, a, a bag, you know what I'm saying, when, it, when yeah. the accident occurred. And it wasn't a bad accident, but bad enough that it inflated everything. So there is that phenomenon, but there's yeah. more to it than just Oh, the yeah. Well, it could be because technology, we've become safer, not only with things like cars, but especially with medical technology. Mm. So this is a great set. So since 1960, the frequency of death from the four leading causes has sharply decreased while the frequency of disability has sharply increased. And this comes from a guy that we trust a lot, Rick Elliman. Exactly. He's got a book out called The Truth About Money, uh, and we like the way he puts his statistics together. We check them out, but that's where you're getting these Mm -hmm. statistics. Yeah, so in 1960, men and women ages 46 to 65. So That's that's David's number here. That block Mm -hmm. of people we're talking about today. Back then, resulting in death, if you had hypertension, there's a 73% chance you were dying. Mm. Whereas now, it's, it's, it's raised that there's a 70% chance that you're going to be disabled. So the point is, death was what we were looking at prior. Now, with all the metal technology, you should call it the airbag, instead of death, there's a greater chance that you're going to be disabled. Mm. Exactly. And that affects a lot more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so, yes. So, and that's not only hypertension, also heart disease. Uh, cerebrovascular, so strokes, um, you know, about 48% back then, now 36% chance. Wow. Uh, and then diabetes. So those are the much the... greater chance of diabetes. I know for me, when I was diagnosed, if it had been 1960s and I'd have been diagnosed with the, the cancer that I have, they'd have given me 18 months. They just said, you know, it's the best we could do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and today, I am, you know, eight years basically out from a transplant uh, that I had and uh, doing well and doing great. And uh, doesn't mean that it's gone away, but you talked about it. Medical technology, the drug industry, all the things that we do. I eat better. You know, yep. I have a healthier lifestyle, and that has affected. Now, the idea behind that being people used to die from these things today, they are not able to work. They are disabled. And so there's the need. You've got some other statistics. David, one of the things that the Sun Life put out a, uh, a real big issue, what he's talking about. Here I have got to make a decision. Retirement or my mortgage. Right. Retirement or where we live. The shelter. The shelter's basic. Retirement is a want to. But what's the statistic that Sun Life Insurance Company you know, tells us? And you're right. Basic need. Those are the things we know we have to cover. Yeah. And so Sun Life put out did a, a research study, and they showed that 50% of all mortgage foreclosures in the country are caused by a disability of a breadwinner. Wow. I mean, think about that. I mean, how difficult would that be to knowing you can't work, you can't provide for your family, and now that basic fundamental need right. is going to be. And, and, you know, you look at the banks and say, hey, guys, this guy's disabled. You can't foreclose on him. Well, they have to run a business, and they have to meet standards and, you know, regulations, government regulations. And so they can't come in and say, okay, we're going to decide. So inability to pay your mortgage from a disability is a brutal, brutal fact that occurs. And as you said, Sun Life says 50% of all mortgage foreclosures. According to a 1998 report that's a little old, Jamie, but it's still a good report. What's that statistic for us? And seven out of ten people between ages 35 and 65 will become disabled for three months or longer. So my, my idea a while ago, take your paycheck, put it away for three months. Guess what? Can you live on it? How long can you live by not cashing your paycheck? And that's a brutal fact that people don't think about. And Tough. if you think about it, Jim, most most disability policies, particularly group disability policies, they may have a three-month waiting period before they pay the first check. So 
you know, uh, you need to be prepared for that. And so that's part of the good, solid retirement is mm-hmm. having some kind of a savings plan and then having some type of retirement, I mean, a disability plan to make sure that you continue contributing. Exactly. You talked about bonuses and all those, if you're in a commission-type basis, people getting commissions, not your base salary. We want to talk a little bit about that. We're going to go to Bert, Rebecca Brazier and our Mid-South History Moment. When we come back, we're talking with David Rochester and and. Uh, David Rochester and Jamie Cochran. I'll get that right. I was about to say Rebecca again. And uh, we're talking about six steps to solid retirement and how do you make a decision about disability. Stay with us. We'll be right back after this. Helping you make the most of your money. Talk Money will return right after this. Ida Wells was notorious in her time. She was a slave when she was born in 1862 in Holly Springs, Mississippi. But when the Civil War ended, she was able to begin attending school as a former slave through the Freedmen's Bureau. When she lost both parents to the yellow fever epidemic at the age of 16, she took a job as a teacher and moved to Memphis. After two incidents and when she was thrown off trains for sitting in the all-white sections, a circuit court judge ruled in her favor and awarded her $500, but his decision was later overruled by the Tennessee Supreme Court. Wells also worked as a journalist during this time, and after receiving death threats in response to her reporting of local lynchings, she moved north, first to New York and later to Chicago and continued to write and speak publicly about the ongoing racial violence in the South. Although not as well known as Dr. Martin Luther King, Wells is revered today as an important leader in the civil rights movement. This has been another Mid-South History Moment, brought to you by Shoemaker Financial. This material represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific point in time and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. And now, once again, here's your host for Talk Money, Jim Shoemaker. My guest, David Rochester, Jamie Cochran, we're talking about steps to build a retirement, a good, solid retirement, and why disability? Boy, we have discovered that disability can be the root of all evil if you've got a responsibility of a stewardship plan where you're trying to maximize every dollar that comes in, use it correctly. The biggest competition for retirement and the biggest competition for disability is not looking at it from standpoint what somebody else may be telling you. It's the new truck. It's the 60-inch, you know, flat-screen TV. It's the vacation to Disney World. We all go through that. We all have those issues. But the reality is we think of ourselves as being kind of the man of steel, and uh, we can handle it, and we don't think it's going to happen to us. It's going to happen to the guy next door. That's it. I think it's a solid part of our personalities. It should be. We're optimistic by nature, but the reality is it could happen. And, David, you were talking about this at the break, and I think it's a very solid thought process. I mean, 7 out of 10 people between ages 35 to 65, you mentioned, three months disabled. You know, that's a reality. We know that. Sun Mortgage says, hey, homes that, uh, you know, the odds, 50% of all mortgages, foreclosures to the country, you know, are caused by disability. I love the other part of that statistic, you know, because would you insure your house from a fire? Absolutely. No question. Everybody, we've had a fire in our office. You know, nobody expected that to happen. It did happen. I can't imagine having to go in there and replace that house, that building, or whatever it is that you insure without an insurance company being. And we all insure our cars. Absolutely. And and so if we were in a you know wrecked a car, maybe even we total it, we might walk away with some injuries. 
but we'd recover. Yeah. And that car would be paid for. Yeah. Yeah. But if you're disabled, car's a piece of junk. You can go buy another car. That's right. If you're disabled and you use lose your ability to earn that income, as we've said, that could be catastrophic to your entire lifestyle and your family. Yeah. The point was home burnings. The odds of a house burning down, one. Out of 1,200. And what's the odds? Jamie, you may know this statistic. What's the odds of someone becoming disabled? 50%. Right, right. yeah, yeah, right. One out of two. Yeah. If I was a betting man, I'd bet that's going to be more likely to happen. Well, here's the statistic that we led with. And 60% of all workers in the U.S. say they're unable unable to pay their bills within three months of any injury or illness if they had to stop work. 60%. Uh, So that's who we're talking to. How do we manage that? David, one of the things about 401k plans, so the question was, you know, my employer doesn't have a 401k, and should I? what should I do? And so address that question in light of what all we've been talking about right. at this point. Uh, if you, of course, if you earn an income and your employer doesn't offer a 401k, then you still have the ability to fund uh, an outside, uh, an IRA, a, a tax-deductible traditional IRA or a Roth IRA. And so the the idea is... Get counsel of what you should do. Now, I know we could get into a Roth or, a, or an IRA. Just at the 30,000-foot view, what would you say to somebody? Should I? Should which one? Yes. <laughs> uh, you should fund one. Now, you know, if we're getting to the specifics of which one's better from a tax perspective, I don't think today we want to try to cover that on the show. Uh, we do know that a Roth IRA is tax-free in the distributions once you retire after age 60. A traditional IRA is tax-deductible deposits today. You know, I guess if I could use an example there, not to try and answer a tax question, but, you know, if you asked a farmer, uh, would you rather pay taxes on the seed or taxes on the harvest? Uh, most farmers probably say, I'd rather pay taxes on the seed. Mm, yeah. So, you know, that, maybe that's an example of why you I might use a Roth IRA. different tax brackets and what everybody says no. and thinks. And, you know, what you, will your tax bracket be higher when you're 60 or lower? You know, and those are questions that are very hard. And it's an individual discussion. And that's really what you're saying. Good. That's exactly right. And if you're wondering where to find quality, excellent, professional advice, let me give you a telephone number for two guys, 757-5757. That's David and Jamie. Just simply ask Jenny at the front desk and he to speak to either one of these guys. If it's disability, both of them can handle it. 401K, both of them can handle it. You decide which one you think looks the best. And I could tell you that answer, but I won't go there. Um, <laughs> glad this is, we're, we're all three of us are very good for radio, not for TV. <laughs> But we're talking about subjects that I think are so important. Jamie, if you're talking to that optimistic person, how do you help somebody understand the need to focus on their 401k and focus on disability? How does that conversation go? Really, it involves asking, you know, listening to that person, Mm. listening to what are their concerns, what are their goals. When I'm sitting down with a client, one of the first things I really want to do is really understand where do they want to be in two years from now, five years from now, 20 years from now. And if you can get them talking about, you know, what they want, then I'm able to give better advice because, you know, I can't give just blanket advice to everybody. That's good. You know, just like David said, you know, with, with, hey, should we do a Roth IRA or a traditional IRA? Well, it's really going to depend. What are your tax brackets? What's your age? You know, how much are you making? You know, what are your opinions on what do you think that, you know, taxes are going to do? So it's it's more of a discussion of, you know, really listening to what that client is, is trying to accomplish. David, when you think about this, so many people get into the weeds of, investments and and what should I invest in in my 401k? Um, 
Does it really matter? I mean, is that something that's important for them to think through? Is that something that we guide them through? Help me with that. Yes, it does matter. You're exactly right. I, I think even more importantly is a lot of times people will put off getting started because they're so worried they can't choose the perfect investment. So from a standard, from a standpoint of trying to choose the perfect investment, no. We, we know there is no perfect investment. Get started, number one, and then I would absolutely suggest, unless you're going to become an expert at determining what is the, the perfect mix for you in terms of your investments, equities to fixed income and so forth, then you need to seek expert help. You know, an expert help, again, 757-5757 for you guys. It's a simple number to use. Write it down. Give these guys a call. They are more than willing to sit down with you. First interview, no charge, just simply to get to know you and find out what your questions are. Give them a call. They can answer most of your questions over the phone. The reality is they do know what they're talking about. They're not going to give you junk advice. Quality guys know their stuff. Question that we got from one of our listeners, again, just to remind you, if you want to ask us a question about anything financial, talk money at shoemakerfinancial.com. Talk money at shoemakerfinancial.com. We'll get your questions on the air. This question, David, good question, I think, for a typical dad who's got his kids through college. They may still be hanging around. He didn't say. I'm shocked a little bit about one of the ages, but I'm not throwing him under the bus. Way to go, Dad. Keep your deal. 28 and 21. Should I contribute to an IRA for my two kids, 28 and 21. Well, let's talk about that. And, boy, I, I, I have to be cautious here. Uh, <laughs> let me just say about my personal beliefs on on, on funding a 28-year-old's uh, IRA Maybe that's account. a misprint. How yeah. about 18? Let's say it is. But I would say this. I think one of, the, one of the best things you can do is teach them the habit, not necessarily wait till that age, but they need to get in the habit of of saving on a regular basis, Take tax advantages. That's the advantage. Uh, that's the the benefit to putting money into retirement. But time, boy, if we'd all started at twenty one, putting money into a retirement account, how much better off would we be? Absolutely. Jamie may have done that. I yeah. can tell you, I didn't. Yeah. Uh, and I look back now and wish I had because I had a very wise parent tell me to do that. But in my youthful wisdom, I waited nine years to start. Does income matter? I mean, here's the person. I mean, these two kids, they said, you know, they've got odd jobs while they were in school. They're still, you know, they're working. I don't know if maybe the 28-year-old may be still working in school or going through something. I don't know. But the reality is, you know, is the the income going to matter? Somebody says, well, I'm only making 50 grand a year. I can't afford it. Well, you know, it's discipline. Income, exactly. Income absolutely matters. I'll back up to these two individuals. If they're working odd jobs or part-time jobs, they, they again, they may not be making enough money to fund an IRA. If, if dad has that opportunity, he could fund it for them. But what's critical is they have to have earned income oh, because you're funding it under you know their name. They have to have the earned income. And, and so, it's a tax deductible in their tax bracket. That's exactly right. Yeah. That's that's a keep, great keep point. He's not getting the tax deduction yeah. to do it, but he's helping them. And you talked about discipline. I find in my practice, and guys, y'all help me with this. Teaching discipline is probably one of the most important things we could do, or at least sharing the idea behind fiscal discipline, you know, financial discipline, the understanding of being willing to take a, and you said, I don't feel like I got enough income to contribute. Well, look at your income and say, okay, I'm only going to contribute 5% of my income or 4% or 3%, whatever it is. You talk about this. If it's a 401k plan, fund at least to get your max. That's exactly right. Your match. Your Your match. match. I said your max. Match. Yeah. Yeah, Well, And here's why I say that. I just talked to a couple this week who said they are max, meaning maximum funding their 401k plans. I asked them how much. 
Well, the amount they were describing described the amount that was matched by their employer. It was much less than what they could actually put into the plan. Mm. Uh, in fact, in these folks' case, they're both over 50. They could each put $24,000 into their 401k plan. Right. Additional. Well, that's how much they could put in a piece if their cash flow would allow. Now, if they're under 50, they're going to be limited to 18,000. Those of us who have waited later and we're trying to accelerate, you know, uh, there's provision in the IRS code. Let's just put more in. So let's talk about the discipline side again. Discipline is a is a unique character trait. We either have it or we have to develop it. And you're talking about starting with these two kids, 18 and uh, 28 and 21. Exactly. Or a 35-year-old, Jamie's age, somebody who's moving in that direction, getting started. Or a teenager or even a, a youth. You know, my kids, based, you know, based on some instruction you've provided, and I believe is, is something that's very important, once they first started getting their first allowance or working some odd jobs, we had them start saving day one. So they've built that habit from a youth, and I think that's critical. Well, let's talk about this problem since we have kids. We're going to, here I am, 55 to 65, 55 years old. We talked about the guy that asked the question, uh, disability, you know. But now what about the retirement side? Your income's higher, moving in that direction. Um, what should I do? What happens if I've got to slow down my retirement? Because of the demand with college. And that's a great question because many times uh, we do have to help kids with college. And maybe we didn't have an opportunity to fund it ahead of time or scholarships didn't come that we had hoped and anticipated for. Our our children weren't that star athlete. So we may have to slow down in order to fund college so they don't have to take on debt. At that point, it's time to really speed up. As we say, put the pedal to the metal, go as hard and fast as you can, and try to max, maximum fund your 401k, if you have one available. If not, then other alternatives like IRAs. So be sensitive to what you've got to do. Exactly. And pay the price. Stay the discipline factor that we've been talking about. But think about what all the aspects. Again, I, what you're saying is to make those kind of decisions, I wouldn't want to make it by myself. You need I expert would, help would, most of the time. I would, I would want someone's counsel. Yeah. You Good know, point. Jamie's mentioned this. I've mentioned this. I've used counsel in our own business. Yeah, and we have to. All right, guys, here's what I want. Say, Jamie, I want us to close out. There's there's some fundamentals that you need to consider when we're buying, when you're purchasing disability. There's fundamentals when we need to think about in the 401K. We've just got a few minutes left. Start with the definition of disability, fundamental number one. Okay, fundamental number one, what is the definition of disability? Is it an own occupation or an any occupation? We discussed that earlier, that own occupation protects your ability to do the job that you are trained for and that what you're earning, you're living on. And that's critical because you'd use the example accountant to a cashier. <laughs> exactly. Okay. I would much rather be making the money that an accountant, an accountant would have made. Okay. Exactly. Def- when we go from definition to elimination that's period. That's exactly right. Know your elimination period if it's a if an employer-sponsored plan. It may be 90 days. It could be longer. So know what that elimination period is because you won't receive your first check until that's exhausted. And we found out a high percentage of people don't have enough money to cover the elimination period have to do that. Number three, benefit. The benefit period means how long will this pay out as long as you're disabled? So it, the benefit will pay as long as you're disabled, but sometimes the benefit period may only be a two-year benefit period. It might be a five-year. It might be a 10-year. 
But what we usually recommend and want people to get is one that's going to pay out until you're 65 years old or 67 years old. Yeah, the reality is if it's at five years and it stops and you're still disabled, that's a bad deal. Exactly. Okay. So that's that's key. Residual coverage, Jamie. Residual coverage. Residual coverage, another word for residual is partial, meaning sometimes you're not always completely, totally disabled. It might just be that you're used to working 40 hours a week, but because of a back injury or arthritis or other things, you know, you might be only able to work 20 hours a week. So residual coverage is going to make up that difference for you. And non-cancelable, David. That basically means the employer, uh, not the insurance company, cannot uh, increase your premium, and they can't cancel your policy. So, is there a difference? Can you go? Can you get another policy? You can get something called guaranteed renewable. So, if, as long as you're paying your premium. They'll continue the policy, but they could raise the premiums. Okay, guys, this has been good. Discipline. I heard the word discipline a lot with a 401k. Get started. Get the match. Start as early as you can. Start as early as you can and get the match. Correct. Well, guys, thanks so much for today's program. That's Jamie Cochran and David Rochester. Again, I want to thank my board producer, my board and operator and producer, Art Frederick, guest and content coordination, Francis Fordner, production assistant, Eleanor Moscovich, Mid-South History Moment by Rebecca Brazier, and it's written by Drew Johnson. It's been a great program. I certainly have enjoyed being a part of your Fridays. You can always listen to us on a podcast. Just go to Shoemaker and uh, type it in, and you'll find our podcast. Thank you for being a part. We'll see you next Friday. Until then, help you make you most of your money. Jim Shoemaker, David Rochester, and Jamie Cochran are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securian Financial Services Incorporated, member FINRA SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. 